Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined sort of by by two co-hosts today, but we're going to start out with Adrian Martini. Hello, Adrian. Hello, Sarah, and all the Mother Runners. Yes. Hello, you marathon mother, you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, I'm I'm kind of deep in the post-marathon trench, uh, so yeah, I, uh, I'm sticking to my easy knitting project because that's about all I have the brain for right now. <laughs> so what um, you you mentioned it on our website in your final blog post? What is your easy knitting project? Uh, it is a one by one ribbed scarf, oh. um, and you use two different colors of yarn and just alternate them back and forth. So it makes kind of a neat striping pattern. Oh. But um, I can do. Uh, so one by one means one knit, one purl, mm-hmm. and you just do that the entire row. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's one of those things that I've just done um, a million times, uh-huh. and it's very comforting. So. Yeah. And who's it for, and what colors are they? Are the? Um, I have no idea who it's for. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, no. Usually, I just knit things, and they go on the shelf, and then eventually the recipient presents itself oh, um, okay. or herself, okay, himself. Okay. Um. I knit to knit, not always with a uh, an end goal in mind. So, okay. okay. Yeah. That's right, because I um, have decided, you know, my handicraft is uh, needlepointing, and I feel I just have too many needlepoint pillows now in my home. Right. And I've done I've done a brick, <laughs> uh, like a doorstop, and I've done pillows for my mom. And um, so now I'm doing one for my um, BFF who lives in Brooklyn. And I have put it aside for the summer, but I am actually flying to Connecticut tomorrow as I record this. Um, and so I am planning to take it on the plane and resume after, I probably haven't done it since early June, maybe. Right. Um, yeah, so I'm going to listen to, um, actually, the gosh, the book, you'll love this, Adrian. The um, book group met, Lat- my book group meets uh, one time a year to pick the books for all the next year. So we pick a right. whole, whole bunch right. of books. So, yeah. so I wasn't there. I sent a couple recommendations, but I also wasn't there to be like, Hey guys, you know, that's a really long book. You know, it's a really long book. And, <laughs> and the, the first book we're reading is the source material for Hamilton, that Ron Chernow book. Right. And yes. that yep. is more than 800 pages. So, yes. um, so I have had it on hold through Multnomah County Library as an audio book. And so I'm going to listen to that while I needlepoint on the plane. That is that is my plan. Yes. Is it another squirrel or is it? Uh, oh, it is this um, kind of um, folk art looking girl who has um, good good memory also for remembering what it was I did for Molly. Um, that uh, it's a folk art girl who has like a pig next to her and um, a watermelon and she looks a little Wednesday Adams ish oh, cool. kind of kind of okay. Wednesday Adams meets kind of Victorian era girl but it's very folk art and there's flowers in it and because um, my BFF has um, she's very um, she's she's very stylish um, unlike unlike her best friend in Oregon um, <laughs> and, uh, um, and so she um, just really so you know um, I will admit that needlepoint can get a little hokey um, and so you know I couldn't do like a sailboat or a you know, I don't know, right. a, a strawberry or something like that. So tried to find something funky. And, and she chose it. She chose the canvas. We chose it together when she came out to visit. Gosh, now it was March of um, 2014. So it, this has been a long time coming. So anyway, but um, but yeah, so I'm flying to Connecticut tomorrow and going to see my parents and um, figure I'll give a quick update on them and that my brother and his wife who live in Atlanta, I suggested to them, I said, my brother is a a corporate counsel for um, a very large firm and he's a super busy guy with work, usually has to work on the weekends. And so when I decided I was going to fly out there, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to ask my brother if he'll come up. And I sort of thought, oh, he's not going to do it. He's a lovely, I I think my brother's the greatest person in the world. But I thought, you know, he's super busy. He's not going to do it. And he almost immediately said, yes, I'll come up. And so, yeah, so he and his wife are flying up. Um, I get in Thursday around dinner time. They get there Friday mid-afternoon and they stay until Sunday midday. And then I stay until Tuesday midday. So, and my sister, our our older sister lives in, uh, so there's three of us, there's older sister, um, middle brother, and then me, and um, she lives uh, about 30 minutes from my parents, so we'll all be together, and um, there is certainly um, a part of me that thinks this might be the last time we are all together on this planet, 
So yes, um, yeah, I know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, huh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's already been kind of an emotional week. So um, yeah. so yeah. So I'm just going to try to take it in and um, really be present and um, just uh, try to enjoy it. And it looks like it's going to be lovely weather. So. Um, yes. So anyway, so, um, so as I kind of alluded to, this is a unique podcast and then we sort of have three co-hosts. Um, there's you, and then we're going to be bringing on coach Christine in a second, and you're both going to be kind of, uh, wearing co-host hat as well as guests. Um, so, um, you know, sort of anybody can ask or answer a question. And the focus of this episode, if you can't already guess, is the 2016 <laughs> New York city marathon, um, and how it went for you, Adrian. And then we have been planning this podcast for months and um, asked people on Twitter whether they wanted it before you were doing the race or after. And most people, um, they were like, both, both. And I was like, okay, that's not going to work out. But <laughs> but uh, um, then on Monday morning, literally my very first thought when I woke up on on Monday was, we need to bring in more voices to the New York City Marathon podcast. Because, um, you know, I speak in full sentences to myself with an exclamation point at the end. And um, right. so yeah. we're going to be sprinkling yeah. in voice memos from other mother runners who ran it. All right. Well, without any more blah 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 let's have Christine join us and get this party started. Hello, Christine. Hello, ladies. How are you? <laughs> Good. So let, let's remind let's remind folks you are Coach Christine Hinton. You are the mom of two in Maryland, and for um, from the inception of another mother runner, you were the on staff coach for us, who provided the training plans for our second book, Train Like a Mother, and all the Train Like a Mother club training plans um, up to this point. Um, and now you have. Um, gone on and uh shifted your focus in life a little bit and we will get to that in a second but um mm-hmm. i think we need to end the suspense adrian <laughs> um in in 10 words or less how did the marathon go for you uh i've been comparing it to childbirth um <laughs> really hard exhilarating um kind of transcendental or transcendent uh-huh. um and something I'm pretty sure I don't need to do ever again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, on that note, let's interject our first voice memo. This one is especially dear to me as it's from Allison, who is my Saucony Find Your Strong Cadet back in 2014. Hey, this is Allison, and I'm from Stanford, Connecticut. This is my third go around at the marathon. First time, didn't even get to the start, got hurt during training. Second time, Last year, made every rookie mistake in the book and wound up in the medical tent for an hour, but I was able to finish. This year, I knew that I wanted to finish and I wanted to finish strong. My husband and I were running together and we set some aggressive time goals and made our way through Brooklyn at the start. The block party keeps you going and you don't even feel it. Coming up on the 59th Street Bridge, which was where I started my troubles last year, I had purposely trained for it, incorporating some runs in my training that were pretty similar to the hills at the same points so I knew I could get over it. Once I got over it, mentally, I was in a good place going into First Avenue. Made it through the the steady incline of First Ave with the crowds cheering us on and was feeling good, keeping in mind that it's a 20-mile run with a 10K race, as my doctor told me. As we came through the Bronx, I was feeling tired but pretty confident that we were going to get it done. And as we came onto the steady hills of Fifth, that's where I started to feel it in my legs. I knew that once I got into the park, I was going to have it in me, so I just had to get from mile 23 to about 24. As we got into the park, I heard Sarah in my head saying, just empty the tank. And although that's not usually my strategy, I'm one to hold back, I went with it. Flew through the park, back out into the streets, came through Columbus Circle, back into the park with the finish line in my sights, knowing that my time goal was a little bit off, but I was going to be close. So I kept chugging, and when I saw the finish line up ahead, I knew that I had finally conquered it. have to say that I was pretty proud of myself and ready to party yesterday, and I still feel like the party's going on. Okay, 
Christine, before we truly dive into Adrian and the NYC discussion, give us a life update. Teaching, cross-country coaching, your dating life. <laughs> Sadly, there's not a whole lot of exciting going on there. But oh. um, yeah, so teaching teaching has been fantastic. Uh, love the kids. Well, you know, most of them, uh-huh. most of the time. Uh-huh. Um, but it's but it's exhausting, but it's very rewarding. I, uh, I'm enjoying it a lot. And the cross-country coaching has been my absolute favorite oh. um, middle school. Yeah. Middle school uh, cross country has been uh, very, very, very rewarding. The team who normally wasn't doing so great in the last few years, um, the boys, I had 25 boys on the team mm-hmm. and yeah. And we ended up coming in second. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Congratulations. Oh, good I, for you. I, I know. So I was very excited. And then the girls we had the, our girls team was very small. We had a mere, four runners and we finally were able to yeah we were able to recruit one more middle school girl so we had a scoring team and um our number one girl ended up going on to win the maryland state dc maryland state championship yeah no way (laughs) that is amazing that is so i know i was so proud i like loved and so i went and so cowbells became a thing for us and i bought a bunch of cowbells and like hand painted them all cowbells and yeah it's been fun it's been a real treat uh-huh. uh, uh they've given me a lot yeah dating life you know do you have any cricket sounds that you can play oh um, is the <laughs> is the man who went and watched her ultra he's not in the picture anymore no oh. uh, was it your feet yeah. after the ultra that yes he, looked, he took one look at my feet and said sister i'm out of here no. <laughs> <laughs> no you know i mean we date why do we date we date find out who people are and how we right. gel and and uh and after you know a few months um just wasn't right for me um so I don't know if it's not the right person or if I'm just not in the right place yet but um mm-hmm. but I but but do not fear I am having fun I am going okay. out oh good um having lots of fun I uh am enjoying that but just nothing uh-huh. nothing concrete with anybody yet so uh-huh. okay yeah okay. so if anybody knows anybody single that's you know <laughs> successful cute <laughs> all let me know <laughs> In the Maryland DC area. Yeah. Right. In the Maryland DC area, yes. Or somewhere exotic and, you know, tropical that I could move to. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So okay, Christine, for the purpose of this podcast though, you're going to put back on your coaching hat and um tell us first what type of plan you had Adrian on and how um did the fact that it was her first and sounds like possibly her last um marathon affect the plan that you wrote for her? Yeah, well, you know, I've been coaching Adrian uh, since about April, I think it was, of 2015. So, so a good oh, okay. little while now. So, yeah. um, and she came to me, you know, very much into the ha- into running halves and, and wanting to do better there. Um, so that is what we focused on for quite a while. And then one day, I was trying to look back, I think it was in um, March, she said, you know, um, I really would like to, you know, go to run New York City, but I didn't make it into the lottery. And I think actually, Adrian, you didn't even tell me initially when you signed up for the lottery because she didn't tell me. And, mm-hmm. But then she right. but then <laughs> sprung it on no, you. I didn't. Nope. <laughs> and then she said, you know, I, I tried to get in. I couldn't get in. She's like, and part of me is relieved, but part of me's thinking, mm, you know, there's still that charity route <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. to do it. And she's like, you know, what do you think? And I said, well, um, you know, I, I think it would be a, a wonderful idea that I thought her training was in a place that moving up to the marathon was completely doable. Mm-hmm. Um, and she made it very clear to me that this would be a one-time deal and mm-hmm. that her pure sole purpose is to run the marathon, experience it for what it is, finish, you know, healthy, smiling, and, you know, not be dead at the, at the end, mm-hmm. just have the experience. So our training plan was built primarily with the focus on endurance and making sure that she could cover the distance and do it in a way that, you know, kept her injury free, kept her healthy, helped, uh, helped us to work on her hydration and her nutrition, mm. um, and just slowly build up the miles. It's t- it was all about time on her feet. Really secondary was the pace stuff. We did do some pace stuff here and there. Mm. Um, but that was secondary in importance to getting in those long runs. And I have to say, there wasn't, I think only when you were in Italy, there was that one time we had to, you know, flip around some long runs. But other than that, she stuck to the long runs like glue. She oh, was 
Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I, I can, you know, I can follow a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> tell me what to do. I will do that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. She did. Yeah. And she did. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. So would you compare it at all to the finish it plan, marathon plan in train like a mother or how did it differ? I think so yes, I think, I think so. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what I had in both now, but, um, I believe in the finish it, there's only one twenty miler. Yes. Mm-hmm. And okay. Yes. And so with Adrian, I did the same thing and that was, I know we had a little bit of a back and forth with that Adrian. She was a little bit worried. Like, Shouldn't I be doing more, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know? And I said, you know, just, you know, trust me here, trust me here. And, uh, so, you know, we, we went, but I think primary, a lot of it was the same, um, in the sense of, yeah, it felt kind of the same. Yeah. In, in the long run buildup, it was definitely, um, similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so Adrian, what do you know now about marathon training that you wish <laughs> someone had like taken you by the shoulders and like given you a little shake and clued you into when at the start of your training? You know, it's, Here's, I found the training actually really fulfilling. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, I hear you on that one. I mean, I didn't expect to finish up the training and suddenly feel like, wow, I feel like I've really progressed as a runner and found all sorts of new strength and ability that I didn't know that I had, Mm -hmm. both kind of mental strength and the ability to um, really just push through when it when it gets hard and it gets hard on some of those, you know, 17, 18 milers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wish somebody had told me how, just even how much the training would be just to say nothing about the race, but just how deeply fulfilling just doing the training was. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish somebody had clued me in on, I, you know, I wasn't tired all of the time, mm-hmm. but I discovered after the super long runs, if I didn't get a nap, my whole life was just misery. I mean, just misery. (laughs) Just dragging myself all over the place. Um, Grouching at everybody around me or just (laughs) dissolving into a puddle of tears after the fact. I, uh, um, and I wish someone had told me how um, things that happen to you during a half marathon Uh or that you should expect things to happen after mile 15, 16, 17, that had never happened to you before. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, all kinds of fun gastrointestinal stuff. Uh, (laughs) but you did did have some long runs with some, some issues here and there. Oh, yeah. 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 And some of that was just a function of the, but it was always, it would start to hit me like at mile seven. It's like my body knew that, Oh, this time we're going 15, 16 miles. So let's completely fall apart at mile seven, Mm. um, which had never really happened before. Yeah, that's kind of, it's always kind of crazy because it's like, well, body, how do you know that we're going that exactly. long? How do you know it's not just eight? Like, and why are you yes. shutting down at seven? <laughs> yes, yes. There's so much more we're going to do. <laughs> right. Um, right. And you've never done this to me at seven miles. Ever. Right. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, I wish somebody had kind of warned, it, let me know how much my feet and my, like, not my ankles, but like where your um, calf muscles kind of insert into your ankles. Sure. Your Achilles area. Uh Yeah, that would hurt kind of all the time. Mm. Uh, I mean, it would come and go. Uh But uh, I would get out of bed during the last couple weeks of training and my feet would hit the floor. And it was just kind of like, oh, dear, I am stiff and I am sore. Yeah, I I do feel when I'm marathon training that that's when it really becomes so critical to um, do some warmups just immediately upon waking up even because like we, ha- our cat, um, always wants to get out of the house when I wake up at five 30. And if I try to walk downstairs to let Miller out the door without doing those things, and I'm in, you know, heavy training mode, it's my, I just limp like, you know, I don't know, a hundred year old person going down those stairs. Yeah. <laughs> whereas, whereas if yeah. I can kind of forestall him and, and do yeah. some rolling on my, you know, trigger point grid or whatever, then I'll be like, Oh, look, I can take the stairs, you know, one at a time. Like this is and alternate steps instead of being like, step, step, <laughs> step, step. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm just going to sit here and scoot down on my butt. That's a good visual. I like that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, uh, and it wasn't until after the marathon that I realized how many stairs there are in my house. So, yeah. <laughs> stairs are tricky for sure. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So, um, so, all right, well, let's talk about race selection. So Adrian, uh, so this is kind of a long question. Um, how'd you choose the New York city marathon and coach Christine, are there certain marathons that you think are better for first timers than others? Cause personally, I feel super intimidated by crowds and the logistics of New York city. Uh, the marathon okay. and that so I ran it in 1999 it was as my second marathon and way back then it wasn't nearly nearly as massive as it is now and it just it seems to have a lot of logistics you know the taking the shuttle out there to oh it's crazy yeah yeah and then waiting a long time you know versus you know something like the Victoria BC marathon where you walk you know 50 yards from the hotel to the start and there you are at the starting line okay ready to go you know yeah. well I know for Adrian and and you correct me if I'm wrong here, but when, when we were going back and forth about it, um, her whole philosophy was she wanted to go big, go once and go home. So <laughs> yep. New York city, <laughs> New York city, Checks those boxes. Bill, you know, she kind of wanted to, to throw in all the experiences possible into this one, one marathon. So, you know, while I think it would depend if you're a newbie runner and you're probably planning on doing more, you're trying to run faster then you definitely have to look at the courses and, and the logistics and the amount of people. But for Adrian, this was the perfect race. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really was. It's the only marathon I've ever really wanted to do. Um, it's the only one I've ever looked at and gone. Yeah, I think I want to, I do want to do that. Um, why why is that? I love New York city. Okay. Okay. You're going to explain. Okay. Oh, you do. Okay. Oh, I love it. Okay. Um, I know you and I disagree on this. I yes. know you're a Boston fan. Oh, um, no, no, no. Oh, um, oh, in terms of the marathon. Yeah. Um, in terms yeah. of the cities, I'm neither one. Yeah, but go ahead. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, great. I just thought I'd diss, you know, about, I don't know, two, 10 million people right there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just, I love New York City. Uh-huh. Um, and if my life were a different life, uh, I New would happily York. live in New York City. Sorry. Alicia Keys there. Okay, go ahead. Um, and the idea of being able to run across like the Verrazano Narrows Bridge and the Queensboro Bridge and all of that just really, I like a good bridge, I gotta say. <laughs> um, it always feels like I'm getting away with something, you know, when you're running across That's a bridge. True. It does That's seem true. very special that it's closed for sure. Yeah, like, wow, yeah. I'm not a car and I'm feel, on this. Mm-hmm. Did Go. you feel the bridge like vibrating? Was that. Something I didn't that you feel. Okay. Oh, you didn't? I didn't, but partly because it was so freaking windy. Oh, it was. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, oh, my gosh. It was crazy. Like, the air temperature was, you know, it was like 50, 55 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but the entire course, I, I swear the entire course was a headwind, and that can't possibly be true. <laughs> right, but, right. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, it was brutal out there with the winds. It was pretty crazy. Oh, that's, um, un- that's unfortunate, because t- was it two years ago that they had such dreadful winds, too? Yeah. Yeah, and everybody was talking about that. And it's like, yeah, no, this compares. It was. Oh, uh, wow. Oh, I was, didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and I'm not small or light. And I had some moments where I was like, I'm going to be blown off this bridge. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, how it's scary. Because then, then you think like, well, what are the little people doing? Like, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it might thin out the crowd a little for you. you <laughs> it, might. Right. No, it might. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. So that's how I chose New York City. I really just love New York City. Okay, and also, um, t- tell tell the careful listeners. You said you didn't get in through the lottery, and then tell us um a little bit about the charity that you went in on and how that worked. So what happened was I um, signed up for the lottery just on a total and complete whim, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't say anything to Christine because I was like, yes. yeah, you know, <laughs> the odds of this actually happening are are few. Mm-hmm. Um, if I get in, then I'll deal with that when I get there. Um, and then the more I thought about it, I was like, no, I really want to do this. And when I didn't get in through the lottery, I then started to kind of look and see, um, look into charities. Mm-hmm. And Every Mother Counts, mm-hmm. um, which is a charity that benefits uh, global maternal health, really seemed like such a good fit. And it's a, a cause that I really believe in. Mm-hmm. Um and I managed to raise, um, thanks to the help of a bunch of mother runners and friends and family, um, $3,600 oh, that's for, great. for every mother counts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I figured, too, that running for a charity, especially something like every mother counts, because um, in some places of the world, women in labor have to walk, you know, four or five miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they can do that in labor, I can certainly run mm-hmm. 26 yeah. Yeah. And, and did you, was there a limit 
uh, you know, did you a minimum on what you had to raise to to get the bib? There, mm-hmm. there. Uh, well, see the way it kind of works when you're a charity runner. Um, they take your credit card and they are going to charge you thirty five hundred dollars. Oh um, wow! Mm-hmm. So you have to you know raise that money or pay whatever you don't don't raise. Okay. Gotcha. So, so you don't, so you wouldn't, I mean, if you were exceedingly wealthy, you could just be like, that's fine. Oh, yes. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yes. I am not, however. <laughs> 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 and I like the idea of, you know, making it a, a, a project as well and a yeah. way to kind of bring other people in. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, well. Speaking of um, enthusiasm for the New York City Marathon, here's an exuberant voice memo from Heather. Hi, this is Heather. I'm a mother runner in Fairfax, Virginia, outside of Washington D.C. I'm the mom to two kids, ages six and eight. And on Sunday, I finished the New York City Marathon. New York was my sixth marathon, but it was the first time that I had done it, and it was amazing. It was big, it was crowded, the course was difficult, but the weather was gorgeous, the crowds were unbelievable, and I had an amazing time. Um, It was the first race that I had done where I was actually more worried about the logistics of my family who had come with me to cheer me on than I was about actually running the race. I had my husband and he was wrangling my two kids and my parents who were really up for anything but are in their 70s and move a little bit slower than they used to. And their goal was to see me three times along the course at mile seven, at mile 17 and a half and at mile 24. And the way that I was supposed to spot them was my husband had brought a giant Tom Brady head. He's 6'4", my husband, and was wearing a bright orange fleece. And so he was going to stand on the side of the road and I was supposed to look for Tom Brady. So I got past mile 7 and I was scanning both sides of the course, so nervous. Was I going to be able to find Tom Brady? Let me tell you, I have never been so excited to see Tom Brady's face in my entire life as I was at mile 7. Then I got to kiss my kids and tell them how much I love them and I set off from aisle 17. First Avenue in New York City, totally packed with people, Tom Brady. Found him, gave my kids another kiss. Then apparently they had to really rush it to make it to Central Park. They were only there for a couple minutes when I came up and was able to do the same thing. So Tom Brady made my New York City Marathon experience a really special one and I was glad to be able to thank my parents and my kids and my husband for all that they do to support me. Okay, let's dive into race day. Tell us details, any fun stories from the bus ride to the start. Um, I've learned of a few chance encounters between um, mother runners on the bus and uh, waiting in Staten Island and everything. And so take us take us um, from the beginning. Yeah. So the beginning. Uh, the great thing was we had the time change mm-hmm. the night before. Yep, yep. So I got an extra hour yes. of sleep. That was pretty awesome. Uh, the downside of the marathon was that it started for my wave at 11, mm-hmm. which is a weird time. Yep. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of like, how much do I eat? When do I eat? Mm-hmm. Um, I solved this problem by kind of continuously gnawing on a bagel from the time I got up. Um, a series of bagels, not all the same. Uh, you regurgitated it and yes, chewed it again. Dude, I was like a little baby bird, you know? Um, no, uh, on a series of bagels. Had some coffee on the Staten Island Ferry. Oh, um, you rode the ferry. Nice. Very I did. I, I saw a picture of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was when I finally got to the ferry and was sitting on the ferry, I suddenly had the realization of, oh my God, I'm actually about to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'd been kind of uh, freaking out off and on the whole weekend, but I think that was the point where my brain suddenly went, oh, wait. This, you're you're doing this now. This is we're doing this. Uh-huh. Um, and I ran into uh, a woman getting off the ferry as we were waiting for the shuttle buses, and we both kind of had the same thought, which was we could just get back on the ferry and go back <laughs> uh, and just pretend none of this ever happened. But um, nope, we did it. Got to where they kind of stage the start, mm-hmm. and it didn't dawn on me until kind of we got there how how many people 50,000 people are yeah. uh, just to see everybody I mean it was it's crazy it's a crazy number of people mm-hmm. how was the um, potty line it actually wasn't too bad they were well <laughs> um, and they actually have 
potties in the corrals too. Oh, okay. oh, nice! She's absolutely genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but so Marianne Lloyd, who mm-hmm. was one of the other runners. Yeah, we have a did... we have a voice oh, from her later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I won't spoil it. Yeah. Uh, but she had gotten there early. Uh, because she forgot to set her clock back. Oh gosh! Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> and, uh, managed to score some space under a tent. Oh. So, um, throughout the morning, we kind of all gathered there. I think there were eight or ten of us. Oh. Um, so we kind of all gathered there, and they were playing cards. <laughs> there was a, a vicious game of gin rummy going on when I when I got there. Um, Seven card or ten card chin? I have no idea. I was <laughs> <laughs> just finishing up. I I, I don't know. Um, and we all sat there and kind of chit chatted and talked about the race and shared uh, a tube of body glide and got nice. ourselves ready to go. Always a bonding <laughs> moment. That's how I bonded always, with women at my always. first Boston. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Had somebody. Uh, I think Marianne did around my bra for me, which was really nice. In the very good. Back where you can't quite reach. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All bonded very much. Uh, and then, you know, started the race. And it's, I mean, the start, it's just enormous. You know, we were in the last wave, which was still easily 10,000, 15,000 people. Mm. Um, so, you know, even when it started, we still had another 10 or 15 minutes to kind of shuffle up. Sure. How many, wa- how many waves were there? There were four. And were you on the uh, bottom deck or the top? I was on the bottom deck, uh, um, which actually turned out to be just fine because I think on the top deck, really just with the wind, that would have been mm-hmm. horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole river of pee thing is not a thing. Oh. Just- <laughs> I was going to ask. I was going to ask. And explain to people what it is we're talking about. Um, so rumor has it that, uh, since you have to wait for a while, that gentlemen who are well equipped for this sort of thing will stop along the bridge on the top deck and and um, relieve themselves right, of all their extra Because it's, du- it's a double-decker um, bridge, bridge yeah. that is actually um, has, um, as I recall, it's made out of metal, so it has some holes in it, too, so they don't even need to pee off the edge. I always envisioned just being able to pee and it would go through the bridge because oh. it's not a, you know, right? It's not a yeah. solid surface. It, it is, though. I mean, it's asphalt. Oh, oh, it is. Okay. All right. I was envisioning. Okay. All right. Okay. So they're going over the edge. Okay. Yeah. Um, But that's not a, that's not a thing. Um, They'd have to be pretty powerful peers to really. (laughs) 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 Uh, They now have, and it's absolutely forbidden to do this. And they really, people out watching to make sure that nobody does that. oh my gosh can you imagine, can you imagine that's, that's your volunteer job oh yes you're yep. going to be looking for men who try to whip out their penis and start urinating during the start of the race the pee yep. patrol pee the patrol people. yeah no it's grounds for immediate disqualification in fact Is wow it really? look at you knowing these still- rules well I mean, you know you read stuff <laughs> <laughs> urban legend <laughs> yeah, no, they give you all of these little booklets and they're like, you know, if you're on the lower deck, don't worry about it. You're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so then the race started. So. Wow. Wow. All right. And um, did you have a time goal or like Dimity's favorite A, B and C goals? Oh, I had A, B and C goals, but really the main goal was um, finish upright under my own power. Uh, with a smile on my face. That was really the mm-hmm. the plan. Mm-hmm. So um, I was hoping for under six hours. Mm-hmm. Didn't quite work out that way. But uh, that was because my own bladder decided at mile four that um, a stop would need to be made. Oh. And the porta potty line with you, I mean, imagine 13,000 people and there were four porta potties right at mile four. Oh boy. Um, so there was a little bit of a line, so that yeah. held everything up. So and peeing in so. your capris just wasn't didn't. Nope. Didn't, nope. 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 <laughs> I am not Sarah. Nope. <laughs> Few people are. Yeah. I just worry about chafing. To be quite brutally honest, being that damp for that long, I just I can't do it. But even with the wind, I mean, it would have dried out pretty quickly. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Nope. My brain just will not allow that. I'm sorry. So then, wh- so then, what was your finish time? It was 6.15. Oh, okay. And so you think you waited, how long do you estimate you waited in line? 
uh, probably a good 10 minutes. Oh my gosh. So, to kind of, you know, wait in line, take care of business and then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. What mile but, was that? At? What, that, was that was right. So on my Garmin data that I sent yeah. to Steve, and uh-huh. this really screwed me up was when I was in the porta potty or waiting in line, I wasn't paying attention to my watch. Mm-hmm. So if it's not, if you're not moving for a certain amount of time, it shuts itself off. Yeah, and oh, it yeah. usually makes a series of beeps before it did that. And it probably did. And I just didn't hear it. Mm. Uh, so it shut itself off. And then with all of the runners kind of clustered there, um, it had a really hard time picking the signal up again. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there was like three tenths of a mile in there. Where I was still running, but like holding my arm up, arm up to the sky, trying to get the signal back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cursing, cursing to the satellite gods. Uh huh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then it threw me off because I, you know, you start to get pretty bad at math um, mm-hmm. as you go. So I was having to try and figure out what mile yeah. I was really on, oh. um, so that I could figure out when to eat and when, to, you know. Mm. So uh, what that so that happened early, right? Was that at it, mile six? Yep. Okay. Because yeah. I know in the official results, that's where, yeah, you were there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. That 32-minute yes. mile. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, well, well, because I was watching her because they had the live results. Oh. And I was watching her run. And I'm like, why, why is this mile taking so long? Oh, and boy. I was getting worried. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she fell or, you know, something happened. And then she got moving again. So, <laughs> yep, I was uh, waiting in line. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, after the fact, I thought to myself, you know, I probably should have like texted somebody and let them know I'm fine. I just need to pee. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> just peeing. Just peeing. Just fine. Uh, yeah. And I think it was about mile four. I think it's it was a little bit after we got off the bridge, and you're. You're in Brooklyn forever, mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. It feels like a year that you're running through Brooklyn. Wow. Um, that it suddenly started to feel like, holy, this is going to take a long time. I mean, like even I intellectually knew that, but that was when it really started to set in that, wow, this is, I'm going to be here a while. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so well, speaking of um, time goals and that sort of thing, here's a voice memo from my Portland pal and frequent mother runner store model, Krista. Hi, my name's Krista. I'm from Portland, Oregon, and I just ran the New York City Marathon for the second year in a row. I run for Every Mother Counts, which is a nonprofit dedicated to making pregnancy and childbirth safe for every mother. Um, it was a beautiful day on Sunday. And I started in the very last wave. So uh, it took me a while to get into my groove because it was so crowded. And I really had to work at kind of pacing myself and settling in. And I finally did. It took some time, took some miles, but I did. Um, Soaked in all the energy that is the New York City Marathon. The high fives, the cheering, the music, the burrows. There's nothing like it. Loved seeing my family for the first time at mile 18, and then my team cheering section at mile 20, and then it all kind of went downhill. My IT band started bothering me again, and I was tired. I wanted to be done, but I really wanted to reach my goal, and I knew that I was on target to do so. So I just pushed and pushed and pushed and saw my family again at mile 23, my husband and my seven-year-old son, and said to my husband, I'm going to die. And he said, you won't. You are too strong. And hugged my son, kissed his head, smelled his head, and it was the push that I needed. And it meant so much to me to have them there. And I went for it and mile 23 was one of my fastest miles and I crossed the finish line in a time of 432 which was 30 minutes less than last year's time and when I realized that I just started bawling because I had nothing left I left it all on the course as SBS likes to say I truly emptied my tank and it felt so good I worked for it and I did it and I don't know, there is nothing like the New York City Marathon. 
All right, Coach, uh, what race plan did you lay out for Adrian? And Adrian, then tell us if you followed it. Um, well, I mean, we, I, I kind of feel like what, what Adrian's goal was, like she said, was to finish smiling upright, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, on her own accord. So we did have some loose, um, paces and some loose marathon race pace mile averages that we thought, um, might be in the realm of possibility, assuming everything went great. Um, so like her, I, I was thinking probably a sub six would have been kind of our a goal. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I told her, you know, to start conservatively and, um, you know, break it up into chunks. And honestly, this is the first we waited. She, so I saw all of her, I've seen all the data, but Mm -hmm. I haven't had the narrative yet. So Mm -hmm. I'm hearing it for the first time. (laughs) I'm hearing it. We thought it would be more fun if I heard the narrative the first time. Save it for the podcast. Save it for the podcast. Yep. You know how to do this. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, so the whole breaking it up into chunks and, and, and focusing on each piece individually Mm -hmm. and, you know, keeping the effort, effort was more, um, emphasize than actual pace. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, it wasn't so much about finishing in a certain time as much as it was about finishing it, enjoying the experience, it, experience and kind of getting the whole vibe and feel and feeling good at the end. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, um, hey, Adrian, one second that, um, before I forget, what's your ma- half marathon PR? Um, two thirty one. Okay, I was just trying to give kind of a sense to people who are listening like yeah. that. Oh, you know, where where they come in on a half, what maybe could they expect for a marathon, that type of thing. So, right. yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and um, it's not just double what you think your half marathon should be. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, t- it, oftentimes it's uh, double and then plus 10 minutes. Do you agree with that, Coach Christine? Yeah, I mean, and again, it depends on the course. It depends. I mean, it depends on a lot of things. Um usually certain courses, if you do enough digging, will give you some sort of formula, um, of how to adjust. Yeah. If you, you know, if you Google things, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they do that in the ultra world too. Like this 50 miler, if you double your marathon and add an hour or whatever, but that's interesting. But yeah, but I, but I don't know the specifics of, of New York, but I would imagine it might be more than 10 minutes just because well, the crowds. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Cause Adrian, I do want you, I want you to tell us whether you kind of stuck to the, the rationale of the um, way to run the race, but also did the crowds affect you? Um, the crowds really didn't, they only affected me at the start, like mm. for the first maybe mile. Mm. Um, but everybody spread out pretty quickly. Oh, really? And yeah. And they kind of have three different routes for the first three or four miles. Mm. So, um, everybody, you know, the big group of the wave is then divided into three smaller groups oh. and they're literally different routes. Um, wow. Oh, that's time. okay. So that's, yeah, new that's since, interesting. That's yeah, new since, that that's new since 99. Yeah. Cause it was a cluster yes. for when I ran <laughs> 99 for, for miles yeah, and miles and miles and miles. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, it really wasn't the crowds really, it was nice actually to oh. have, huh. um, it was a nice level of people Mm -hmm. um and my big thing for the first half was to not start too fast Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um that was my like something that i really made a point because i really didn't want the last half to be just a miserable experience um so i had to really make a conscious effort to slow down Mm -hmm. and remember remember you can't bank time you just you can't (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know slow down yeah. Um, and I followed, I, I followed that plan pretty much. I got a little messed up when it came to eating though. Mm. Um, mostly because I couldn't remember what mile I was on. Don't they have mile markers? I remember big old mile markers on the oh, course itself. Oh yeah. They do. And those didn't clue getting... you in there, Adrian. No. <laughs> <laughs> the big sign that said mile that six, that didn't yeah. like. Never you ran past. That would yeah. be mile. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, you start to get a little stupid. Uh, yeah. No, I was trying to do the math off my watch and it never really dawned on me till later that I was like, oh, you know, I could have just looked at the mile marker and then I oh, would have known what mile was. Oh, my uh, gosh. Oh, my yeah, gosh. No, no, I know. I'm not going to let you forget that one there, Adrian. (laughs) Yeah. So eventually I, I just kind of ate when I was really starving. Um, I did discover the magic of peanut butter pretzels. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, and I carried my own water with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then at water stops would stop when it was empty and just, um, the volunteers were amazing. Wait, you just throw in here that Mm -hmm. Adrian's nutrition and hydration has been a recent revelation, a recent positive revelation (laughs) because last, I guess almost a year ago now at the Austin half, I ran with her. A few of us ran together and she had like no water (laughs) and it was hot and she was all red and sweating. And all of a sudden (laughs) I realized that she just doesn't, she didn't drink. She didn't take water with her. At all? She would take it like water. No, at water stops, but I just didn't take it. But not, but on long runs and things, like you weren't like a regular carrier of hydration. Uh. (laughs) And then, and, and she, you know, and she was always complaining about how hot it was and how hard it was. And then all of a sudden I noticed the big change, Adrian, when, when you finally started. (laughs) When you were training over the summer and decided to start carrying fluids with you. Uh, (laughs) Like, it's amazing how much better I feel. (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah i'm glad we figured that out before the yeah. marathon so oh yeah no i don't think i would have even <laughs> had i not started feeling better on longer training runs for a half marathon the whole marathon thing wouldn't have right even right right and i have to say like the two injuries i came back with and they weren't really injuries mm-hmm. i had a giant bruise on my middle finger of on the hand that I was carrying my water bottle in. Oh my gosh. So I must have been like clutching it in some way. Um, but yeah, no, my whole, my uh, middle finger was all black and blue. Oh, um, okay. And towards the end, I wound up with a blister on the bottom of one of my toes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's was pretty bad. Come on. I'm now. sorry. That's not too bad. <laughs> yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um, and it really felt like somebody had just taken a hammer and smashed my feet by the end. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Oh, my feet hurt so much. Um, I wonder, is a lot of the route, um, is it pavement or is it concrete, some of it? Because I find that marathons that have a lot of concrete as mm-hmm. roads or r- running trails, like the Eugene Marathon, a lot of it is on a concrete running trail. And that really I, makes a difference. Most of it's road. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either so road top. or edge or... Yeah, it's blacktop, or you go in when you go into Central Park. Then it's I think it's concrete, but mm-hmm. I couldn't not one hundred percent certain. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. and I, the Central Park part might have been my favorite. I mean, I do love a bridge, gotta say, but um, <laughs> also when you get into Central Park, you know that there's only four or five miles left. Mm-hmm. So you know so the we'll end is. Is... Go ahead. That was it. The end is nine. Okay. So so all marathons have their peaks and valleys, um, you know, alternating from feeling like, woohoo, I could do this forever down to, you know, I want to quit right now. Um, What did you have kind of that fluctuation during your, during the miles? Uh, uh, Oh, yeah. Um, I have to say, though, um, I never once had a moment where I wanted to just tap out. Wow. Quit. Wow. Yeah. That's an accomplishment. Never once did I think I am not going to finish this. Mm-hmm. Um, I always knew I would finish it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a question of how long it was going to take. Um, but the moments of despair, weirdly, it seemed to come right around the eights. So like at mile eight and mile 18. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like at mile eight and a half is when you realize you've been running for a long time, but you still have a pretty decent chunk oh yeah you're just you're just getting started at mile eight and a half basically yeah um but then at mile 18 it's like like, wow i'm almost to 20 and then i still have six more (laughs) (laughs) um and when you run at the pace i do and this is one thing that one of these days i'm going to figure out a better way to do it but by the time i'm hitting where you know crowds are and people are and the water stops and everything a billion people have already gone through Mm -hmm. and folks have gone home Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and it can just start to get really quiet and lonely out there yeah um because it just starts to feel like well we don't really count because we're in the back of the pack and Mm -hmm. you know um 
and yet that starts to get in your head after a while. Well, it, it must have, um, I didn't realize this until I was looking at a picture actually from Marianne Lloyd, again, who we'll hear from later in, in a voice memo. It didn't occur to me that the people who took six hours or more quite possibly were finishing in the dark. Oh, we totally mm. finished in the dark. And um, so and that, that freaked me out. I looked, I'm like, what, yeah. what is this, Marianne? Why is your picture black in the background? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially with the time yeah. change. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and it's weird because, you know, in Manhattan, there are really big buildings. So when the sun, <laughs> sun starts to go down, it goes from kind of, you know, it's a nice sunset. And then it's dark. I mean, <laughs> right. it is dark. Yeah. Um, and it gets pretty quiet and lonely out there. Mm-hmm. Um. And that part, again, I never felt like I can't finish this, but it started to feel like, oh, why am I even trying to finish this? Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the only one who cares. You know, it's just like, I'm out here all by myself. And I'm lonely, <laughs> and it's dark, and it's cold, and it's windy, and my feet hurt. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, use any mantras or anything like that during oh, those times? Um, the thing that got me down on First Avenue um, well, there were a couple things that happened, um, and now is probably where I'll start to cry. But um, once I got off the Queensboro Bridge, which is right around mile 17 or 18, um, I saw uh, Cheryl, who's a mother runner. Oh. I saw her first. From San right Francisco? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and she had run the race last year. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we well, only have 10 to go, and it's going to be hard, but you have, you know, you're well over the hump. Mm-hmm. Um, and then coming around the next corner, I saw, um, friends of mine from here, mm-hmm. um, came down to watch the race and they brought my daughter with them. Um, and when I saw them, it was, it was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been, you know, the, the, they give out these, um, fleece hats from Dunkin' Donuts, the kind of bright orange and kind of pinky color mm-hmm. Dunkin' Donuts, mm-hmm. um, I had one in my pocket for the first 18 miles and it was really getting on my nerves, but I really wanted the hat. Um, <laughs> because, so was, because you wanted it like later, like, Oh, this little hat will come in handy. Like uh, in December and like January. A, yeah. Yeah. You want to like buy a finisher shirt. I just want this damn hat. Um, <laughs> and I finally was able to take it out of my pocket and hand it off to the friends that I, <laughs> that came down and say, just hang on to um, so I can get this hot, sweaty piece of fleece out of my stupid pocket. Um, and that was great because they were also freezing because they didn't realize how cold it was. So they just apparently just shared the hat. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so so put it in the dryer for 20 minutes on high yeah. heat. <laughs> <laughs> it has already been washed and dried. Um, so I saw them. And then a little bit further up, I saw Lisa McGuire, who's a runner and a knitter, mm-hmm. um, who had made big... Um, posters of my head on a stick. Nice, <laughs> big heads. That yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I'll, I should send you the picture. Uh, so I saw her. And so, you know, then I started to see people and that really helped quite a bit. Oh, that's um, awesome. And then I put on Hamilton, mm-hmm. uh, the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And when you're running down First Avenue and listening to, you know, New York being the greatest city in the world and mm-hmm. Hercules Mulligan, who's my absolute favorite I think. <laughs> uh, and the um and when my shot came on i realized you know how long i've been training um how hard i worked to raise money and that this was really the opportunity and that you know you're finishing this race mm-hmm. one way or the other mm-hmm. um because you're not doing all of that again you're either going to do it now or you're not going to do it right um, right you've come this far yeah yeah this far um, and I do have to say that the Bronx, you're in the Bronx for maybe a mile mm-hmm. at like mile 20, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bronx really brought it in terms of the party. Oh. Like they were still there and they were still going and they were going to keep going. Um, <laughs> but we were there not, you know? So it was kind of like we ran into a block party. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was pretty great. Oh, so. that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Well, well, let's press pause to hear from two mother runners, Lisa and Trina, who it sounds like they had... Um, kind of similar experiences to you on Sunday, Adrian, and, and they, their experiences were similar to each other. Um, and then according, but, but they actually, I think were behind you because according to Trina, the course might've been reopened earlier than officials had promised. I, yes. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so I, then when we come back, let's hear um, whether you have that theory because also, but if anyone kind of knows the scoop about that, um, please tweet us at the mother runner on Twitter. Hi ladies. It's Lisa from Connecticut. Um, New York city marathon was my fifth full marathon. My first New York. It was a long day for me, 2.15 a.m. to midnight on Sunday. I waited for five hours on Staten Island for my wave to go off. I followed my heart rate training plan um, pretty closely, and I was doing pretty well. I felt like I had a good um, slow base going into the first half of the race. However, I started hurting at mile nine, which was a little earlier than I expected, And the sag wagon showed up while I was on the Queensboro Bridge, which is about mile 16. We were told to get on the bus or get on the sidewalk, so I was pretty discouraged. My husband talked me into, you know, pushing on. (laughs) Um, I met a woman at 18 or 19, mile 18 or 19, who was very upset. It was her first marathon. She didn't know if she could finish. I told her if I could, anyone could. So I decided to stay with her. She was very teary and so appreciative. Um, I had nothing to prove to myself. I had finished a marathon before and I knew I could do it, but for some reason I just thought this was the thing I needed to do and I would hope that someone would do that for me also. Congratulations, Adrian. Thanks. Hi, Sarah. This is Trina from Sherwood, Oregon, recording the day after the New York City Marathon. Um, I completed in seven hours, 27 minutes. My goal was five and a half to six hours. So I had a rough day. Um, anytime I travel to a city, I have trouble not walking beforehand. I think that contributed things that I remember from the race are how windy it was on the bridges. I got chilled. Um, unfortunately they closed the race at mile 18 for me at five hours, which was a little disheartening. And from that point on, I wasn't able to run. Um, I did complete. I was very proud of that. Um, things that I'd wish that I had done differently, um, possibly having a buddy. I really did miss training with someone on this, um, heart rate training that I did this year. Um, I did learn a lot about nutrition and how my body works, but I am taking a break from the long distances until my kids graduate from high school, and I'm looking forward to the smaller races and having more time with my family. Um, New York is phenomenal. I wouldn't chain it for the world and got a huge check on my bucket list. Okay, so Adrian, what's your, because they were supposed to keep the course open for six and a half hours. Right. And people um, so, were saying that they got put up on the sidewalks. They, they were told to right. stop or get on the sidewalks. Right. Um, I wasn't there for this, but um, my cheering crew missed me at like mile 25 or so. And they said that people were being pushed up onto the sidewalk and the mm-hmm. course was being opened mm-hmm. um, to traffic again. And that had to have been around six hours or so. So hmm. um, I didn't personally see it. Mm-hmm. But that's also just such a kick in the teeth. You know, it's oh, like... yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I guess also yeah. that they had to then follow... There was a blue line, you know, that is the right. the tangent yeah. of the course. And I guess they had to follow it. And um, I forget whether it was Trina or Marianne or someone was saying that they had to, you know, oftentimes cross the street. So, like, kind of... Um, go caddy corners or, you know, cross one way and then cross the other way to stay yeah. on the blue line. It's like, right. come on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. A shame. yeah. I just say overall, the course was really well managed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're really good at moving a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but that towards the end there, it really started to seem like, okay, we're done with you now. Okay. You need to be done. Um, <laughs> hurry, up. Well, <laughs> hurry up. Hurry <laughs> up. Yeah, and it's like at mile twenty four, I could hurry up. I would have already yeah. done that. Thank you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. We both want to be done here now. Yes, right. Yeah. Right. it's not just you. Oh my gosh! I'm <laughs> ready to go home too. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, here's a philosophical voice memo from our pal, Marianne, that I've now mentioned a couple times. Um, and, and people also might remember her not only from how many times I've mentioned her, but also from last year, she and her friend Heather trained for wine glass and uh, wrote about it on our website. This is Marianne from New Jersey reporting on how the New York City Marathon went. This was my second marathon. I ran my first with wine glass and wrote about it with Heather on the Another Mother Runner blog last year. 
I had gone into the race hoping to beat last year's time of five hours and 14 minutes. My training had gone well. The weather was perfect. I knew the crowds would help. Um, that's not what happened, though. It took me six hours and 18 minutes because even when the outside factors are all fine, if your body's not having a great day, there's just not a whole lot you can do about it. I'm not upset about this, though. I realized that I had a whole different set of lessons that I needed to learn. One of them was asking for help. I stopped at the medic tent at mile 18 because my stomach wasn't great and my feet were really aching and I just felt off. I asked them where the nearest subway was and really thought hard about leaving the course. I knew I'd done a marathon. What did I have to prove? Instead, I decided what I really wanted more than that was to get to see my husband and my daughter and knew they were waiting at 22. Once I'd gotten that far, it seemed silly not to finish. At mile 24 and a half, I dug really deep and picked up the speed and was able to find some strength for that last push. That's a great lesson to learn, too, that even if you've been struggling for a while, there can still be more to give. I told my students that that mile 17 part when I started to break down a bit feels a little like week 11 of the semester. We're all tired. We've been out here a long time, but it seems like there's so much more to go on. Just as I'm so glad that I pushed it out and finished a marathon, the New York Marathon, I knew that they would be glad if they kept pushing through the semester to get the grades that they said they wanted at the beginning. I hope all of you have had a satisfying fall, whether it meant a PR or longer distance than you've ever seen, or like me, when things didn't go as planned, you still found the good inside. All right, Adrian. last question. Are you truly one and done? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, everybody is saying, you know, oh, no, it's, you looked really good at the end and um, looks like, you know, you could probably do this again. And I was like, nope, uh, I am one and done. And I looked good at the end because I knew nice. not doing this again. Nice. <laughs> nice. I love that. I love yeah. that. Oh, I, my. Like, I am amazed and thrilled that I have done it, but mm-hmm. I need not ever ever do it again okay all right okay we'll ask you that we'll ask you that question about another year or two I'd i say. was gonna say yeah. it's like it's like like you started the whole podcast with the analogy of childbirth mm-hmm. when yeah, you have I, a baby when you have a baby yeah. and they say do you want another one you're like no way never again but then a little while later mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> yep 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 oh my goodness um all right well i wish we could keep talking about this forever but um Actually, our producer has to get to a flight to Chicago, so we are going to wrap this thing up. Um, And then Dimity is enjoying some R&R with her sisters and her mother, who is celebrating a big birthday. Um, So I'm going to handle the Train Like a Mother Club update this week, and I want, Christine, I want you to chime in. So this one comes from Amanda Oster, who is in one of our half marathon programs. She says... Ladies, my half is on Sunday. I've been bitching and moaning, freaking out since July, and it's finally here. I'm not sure that if I'm excited or just want to puke. She says, I went out last night planning to do two to three miles and totally bailed at two. It was a slog. The shittiest run I can remember having in a long time. That means I got my shitty run out of the way so I can have a great <laughs> half, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've said lots that this sh- is a lot of shit in that yeah, one. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, uh, um, so I mean, I've definitely heard that. And I had a coach that my, I remember when I um, trained for what ended up being my PR marathon, my final run, which I think final long run, I think was 17 or 18. It was terrible. And, mm-hmm. and my coach said, well, that's great. Cause you got it out of the way. So right, that's do, right. Yeah. Do, and I, I agree. Shitty run is now out, out huh. of the way. You've got it done. It's over. That's uh-huh. fine. But there's usually, I mean, these things usually happen for a reason. And that week before the race, you're not in your usual routine. You're tapering. Um, you might be feeling out of sorts. You've decreased your volume, your intensity. Um, you might be adding, you know, more water, changing your food a little bit. Then you've got all those nerves starting to pile up and mm. you're preparing for the race. So you've got all kinds of things that are different and anytime anything's different um it can kind of mess up uh your runs so it very well could be that that those a combination of those things just kind of got gave her a shitty run Mm. um but my experience has been that most people that do have kind of a rough week or two before runs um before the race actually end up having a great race and it it doesn't 
because you have a bad run in the days or weeks leading up does not mean that your race is going to be bad. And in fact, I find that the opposite usually is what happens oh. is people are pleasantly surprised that they end up having a good race day. Oh, we like that. Yeah. We like yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. So. And I'm not shoveling the shit. I'm giving it to you <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. But that's... it's true. I mean, it really is true. I that that's been my experience. I don't have any scientific data, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's been my experience is people like you said kind of just get it out of the way and then race day you're good to go. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's a very encouraging yeah. note. Um so, all right. Well, um, so uh, here's the the final summation. Um, need a kick in the pants to stay motivated to exercise and make time for yourself this holiday season? There is still time, still time to jump into the Stride into the Holidays program in our Train Like a Mother Club. It's a five-week plan that will keep you moving with a spirited community of like-minded women and smart, doable workouts in the small pockets of time you have during this holiday season. The Stride into the Holidays program kicks off on Monday, November 14th, which if you're listening to this right as the podcast came out, that means next Monday. Um, so sign up this weekend or right now. The best way to find it is to go to trainlikeamother.club. It's at the bottom of the drop-down menu under Traditional Challenges. We'll also have a link to it in the description of this podcast on our website. Sign up by Sunday night. It's just $25 and 100% of the registration fee goes to our charity partner, Heart Strides so you can stay on track with your fitness and help a great cause. Many happy miles to you. 